been sitting on this message for a little bit, right? I didn't know when I was supposed to speak. Didn't know when I was supposed to do it months ago. See, the funny thing about the, let me say, the funny thing about the word, right, is when you read the word, it, you know, it's the living word of God. And what, really what that means is every time you read it, you can get something else out of it. Because I guarantee, I get 100%, and I don't normally do 100%, but I'm going to do 100%. I guarantee 100% that everybody here has heard of at least a passage that I'm going to speak about today. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Anybody here not heard of Jesus walking on water? I mean, that's an oldie but a goodie. Right? First four Gospels of the New Testament is spoken about three times. Luke left it out. I don't know why. And uh, just, just keep that in mind is that when you are reading, if you, you, you have to read it for, don't read the words. When I, when I don't know it doesn't, might not sound smart or wise, but you don't really read the words. You, you read the words, but you actually open up your mind to what it actually is saying. And I guarantee you, it will tell you something that is beyond the words that are on that page. That's just something, that's just true, right? I mean, because we know some things are simply true, don't we? We we know them. There's no doubt in our mind. For example, I cannot fly. That is a guarantee. It's not that I wouldn't like to. It's not that I don't think that would be neat. But I can't do it, right? It's just a fact. You can't do it. I also know I can't breathe underwater. Some things are just a fact. And, and we know that we can't do these things that are impossible for us, right? We just know it, right? And we don't waste our time on the impossible. We don't waste our time on just things that we know can't happen. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus spent his life is short life on earth, showing us he can do the impossible. Right? Lame can't walk. Oh, really? Stand up. Take your mat and go. The blind can't see. Really? I love the one he did in two steps when he said, what do you see now? I see like blurry. Okay. Just checking it. You're coming along. Do it again. What do you see now? Oh, I can see. Oh, okay. So Jesus spent his whole life teaching us that he is not bound by what we know. He, he really isn't. He's not bound by the rules that we have to follow on earth. He's not bound by what I know. He's not bound by what you know. And be thankful for that. I mean, so much more. So my question is, why do we work so hard to put him into a box where the sides are what we know? We work work very hard to do that. We come up upon a situation in life and we think to ourselves, there's no way out of it. Well... 
Well, really? Maybe there is, if you look in the right place. So I think sometimes we actually put, we spend more time putting Jesus and the power of God into a box that we can understand, when in reality, if we'd be much better off if we would just simply let him put us into his box so that we can be amazed. Okay? So, I'm, so I just want to hear that. I, I just want to say that, right? right? Because we put our fears on him also, right? We get scared, and we're thinking, oh, he isn't afraid. He's not afraid. Right? So our fears are not his fears. He has no fears. Because he already said, I know the, I know the end from the beginning. There's nothing. He has never been surprised, been disappointed, but never surprised. He doesn't sweat the things that we sweat. And don't ever think he doesn't know what you're going through. Don't ever, don't ever think he doesn't know what you're going through. That was the purpose of Jesus, being the human form of God, to be hungry, to be sad, to be tired. So don't put him into your box. So let me, let me set the table. Let's move on. It's in Mark 6, verse 45, please. Now, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 men, right? Because the Bible says men, so there was probably some kids. So there, there was more than 5,000, right? Fed them with a couple of fish, a few loaves of bread, got all done, picked up more food and bread than they actually started with. Everybody was full. So pick it up here. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. So he sent them. Simple. Next verse, please. Because I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go back through it. After leaving them, he went up onto a mountainside to pray. Please. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. Please. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out. Because they all saw him and were terrified. They had just went to dinner with him. They all saw him. He was not where he was supposed to be because nobody walks on water. These were fishermen. If there was one thing that a fisherman knows, what you drop into the water sinks. I'm sorry. Immediately he spoke to them and said, it is I. Relax. I paraphrased that last word. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Now, that's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, Jesus sent them on, just fed 5,000 people with a couple of fish. They, the disciples had to be on a high. They had just seen him speak before these 5,000 plus. They had just seen 
witnessed a miracle that they were a part of because they said, this is all we have. They fed the people. They picked up more food than what they started with. They had to be riding a high at that point. I'm sorry. You cannot hang out with Jesus and not draw something from that. So verse 45, please, Maria. Immediately Jesus made him get into the boat. He sent them on ahead of him. Sent them on, he says, I'll dismiss the people. You all go ahead. Now, I, I don't even understand why the disciples, it doesn't say if anybody actually said, how are you going to get there? Right? I mean, you're with him. You know we're going to this new location, new city. He sent them ahead, and they went. All right, that's, that's I, okay. Well, he dismissed the crowd. Please, 46. Ah. After leaving them, he went on a mountainside to pray. Jesus went to pray. He had just, he had, I mean, by all rights, if it was me, I would have been on a high. Oh, man. He is our example. Make time to pray. If he's our example, you're never too busy, never too busy. There is never a wrong time, and you are never too tired. Right? So Jesus, as our example, went up on a mountainside to pray while the disciples got into the boat and took off. Now, 47, please, thank you. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. So they hadn't actually got to where they were going. They were in the middle of the lake. Jesus is on the land. 48, please. He saw. So, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Doesn't say it was a massive storm, but they weren't making any headway. Jesus had sent them. They were now struggling a little bit to make any kind of headway. Jesus saw them. Did they see him? I don't know. Maybe they weren't that far. Maybe they were far. I don't know. But Jesus saw them. So even if you don't see him, he sees you. Okay? Shortly before dawn. Oh, wait a second. Hold on a second. Hold up. Shortly before dawn. We went from later that night he saw him to shortly before dawn. He didn't run. He let them. He let them struggle a little bit more at those oars. He let them fight the wind a little bit more. Okay? Shortly before dawn, he went out to them. <laughs> Walking on the lake. My goodness. Walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. Now, now remember, they were fighting. They had just been with him. They were fighting the oars. They were fighting the wind. He watched them, saw them, watched them, then decided to walk out to them. Jesus walking on the water. And he, oh man, oh man, he was about to pass by him. So, okay, so I'm thinking about this. First of all, you never, never 
get so far that he isn't watching you. All right? So if you think that through choices and decisions and situations and, and, and whatever that life has done to you, for you, against you, you are never outside of Jesus' eyes. I'm, I'm sorry. And at the same time, I am oh so thankful. I'm only sorry if you thought you were because that doesn't work. Okay? If you thought that, oh, he can't see me. <laughs> One bet? <laughs> oh, no. Don't fool yourselves. Don't fool yourselves. Please don't. He's, and he, not only does he see you, but he knows when the winds are blowing against you. He knows when you're straining at the oars. Once again, that's, 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 that's magnificent. That's amazing. Okay, because if I'm straining at the oars, Cal may not know. Cal's straining at the oars, he may not know. I may not know. But there's one who does. There's one who does, and he is standing on the shore, and he is watching you. He is watching you. So stop thinking he doesn't know. Stop thinking he doesn't see you. Stop thinking he doesn't understand. And also, they hadn't, now they had followed him. Jesus said, go. They went. That's when the storm hit, or that's when the winds hit. So what I'm saying is, even if you do what you think that you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to do it, it may not always be smooth sailing. Once again, though, it doesn't mean that you're not where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And it also doesn't mean that you're alone. It doesn't mean that nobody is watching out for you. <clears throat> so Jesus saw them struggling at the oars, fighting the wind. They're not making any progress. He lets them do that for a little bit longer. Doesn't run out. point that I think we need to remember from that is that on earth at that moment I don't believe that there were a dozen people more close to Jesus at that moment man and they still struggled and you know why I'm going to tell you why we will never know deliverance if we don't if we've never needed it right because we'll also never know rest if we've never been tired. Jesus is not going to rescue us. I'll speak from my behalf. Jesus is not going to rescue me the very moment that I say it's rough. He, does, he, he doesn't do that. And the reason he doesn't do that is because, number one, I won't appreciate him for what he really can do. I won't appreciate him for what he will do. And when it's said and done, I won't appreciate him for what he did do. So you're going to struggle. I'm sorry. It just works out that way. It's called appreciation. So when life's winds 
and they've been blowing lately. So when they blow against us, and we start to struggle, don't think that we're alone really yet. <clears throat> Maybe we're supposed to, to appreciate. Right? Because <clears throat> faith is actually strengthened in the difficult. Right? Faith is strengthened in the difficult, and our testimony is written in the struggle. Testimony is written in the struggle. Nobody wants to hear testimony about, man, I tell you what, I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. My parents are filthy rich. Right? I've never had to work a day in my life. I've never had to actually ask twice for anything. Everybody is like, who cares? I don't want to hear it. So our testimony is actually written in the struggle. Whenever, I'm going, because you're right there, man. When Cal says, Chris, I'm having trouble here. I'm like, yeah, been there. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt, got a little battle scar. Yes, Cal, I've been there. Now Cal's like, so how did you get through this? How, how? I don't know. How did you do it? And I say, well, I'll tell you what I did. And then me and him, first of all, we have a common bond. Not only in Jesus, but if Cal didn't believe in Jesus, if Cal was not a saved Christian, if Cal was not those things, he and I would still have a common bond, and then I could actually then explain to him how I got through. If I hadn't been through the storm, if I hadn't fought the oars, if I hadn't fought against the wind, Cal would not listen to me. Sorry. Nobody wants to listen to you if all you're going to do is tell them how good you've got it and how you can't even associate with how bad they've got it. Because you also have no advice to give. Right? You have no advice, right? So our testimony is actually written in the struggle. So then before, before dawn, Jesus says, all right, I'm heading out, guys. They still don't know it. They're still fighting. They fought it all night long. At no point does it say that the winds ever died down. At no point does it say they made it to the next port. They were still struggling. Jesus is on his way. He went out to them walking on the lake. He went to them doing the impossible. Everybody in that boat knew you do not walk on the water. Everybody, they all knew that. Jesus spent his whole life showing us he's not bound by what you know. Doing what everyone knows can't be done. They were fishermen. They knew that water was. They knew it couldn't be walked on. Life had taught them this lesson about the situation they were in. Life had also taught them, don't look for deliverance there. Don't look for deliverance on the water. You're in a storm. You're fighting yours. Just keep fighting fighting all night might as well keep fighting right maybe eventually I will make headway because I know and life has told me do not look for deliverance there Jesus said hold on a second I'm on my way and which way am I going there you don't look for me there because you don't know that I'm there because you put me in your box that says I can't be there 
all my goodness gracious, what life lessons have taught us on where to look for salvation, where to look for deliverance, where to look for an answer. The end of the last verse says, he was about to pass them by. They were full, so focused on their struggle, right? They were so focused on rowing that boat. They weren't going anywhere, but they were focused on doing the job at hand. They almost missed Jesus. Now think about that for a second. They knew him. They saw him. They performed miracles, watched him perform miracles. They performed miracles in his name. And yet, they almost missed him. He almost walked right by them. Because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Obviously, they didn't give any thought to how he was going to get to the other city, to the other side of the lake. So they almost missed him. How often do we ever struggle? How often do we struggle where we maybe miss him? How often are we so focused on the struggle or the situation or the environment or the wind or the waves or the rain how often are we so focused on the problem that, and maybe, maybe we missed it? We didn't know where to look. We didn't know where he would come. We didn't know when he would come. It's possible. There have been times in, scratch that. It's a guarantee there have been times in my life where I have been in a situation where I did not see him. Not that he wasn't there. Not that he didn't come for me. Not that he wouldn't have delivered me from whatever the situation was. But I can tell you 100%. Remember, I don't go 100 all the time, but I'm going to go 100 here. There were times where I missed him. Straight up missed him. And you know why? Because I had my head down. I had my head down. Missed <laughs> these 12 disciples, nearly missed him, and they knew who to look for. And why did they miss him? He wasn't where he was supposed to be. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, Oh, whose ghost did they think he was? I have to think that Jesus still looked like Jesus at that moment. They knew who he was a day ago. They had ate dinner with him. Now they see him on the water where he's not supposed to be, and they are terrified. And it must be a ghost. Oh. You ever been terrified by him? Would you see, if you've seen him, would you recognize him? I hope so. You hope so. But you're not going to recognize him. I'm not going to recognize him if I don't look for him. 
If I'm not looking for them, I'm not going to find them. How many times have you pushing the cart through the store and somebody walks up to you, you might have walked past them, but you didn't recognize them, you didn't see them, you're like, oh, I didn't even notice you there. I didn't even notice you there. You ever said that to Jesus? I didn't notice you there. I'm sorry, thank you. Because it's only for my benefit to his glory that I recognize him when he's there. If Jesus shows up, I had better recognize him. And I hope and pray that I would. I would. That's, I mean. But remember, we like that. We like that boat. Spent my whole life building that boat. Put my boat out into the lake. Winds are blowing and I'm oaring for everything I got. And I put Jesus into the box that says he can't help me. Or he wouldn't help me. He won't help me. Or this is the only way he can help me. How many times I've lost count? Number of times that I have limited Jesus by my power. I limit him. I'm like, okay, pastor has spoke about it many a time, right? When you say a prayer, God, I need this. I need this. I need this to be this color. I'd like it on this date, midday, because I don't want to get up early. It'll be a Saturday when you deliver it, so I think that'll be a good time for us. So I limit Jesus. From my del- I limit my deliverance from Jesus because he doesn't always use my plan. Doesn't always use my timing. Doesn't use my power. Because not only would I still be in the middle of the lake oaring or oaring, rowing, I would probably have already dropped both oars and would just be tossed about by the wind. I'm tired. Jesus, don't get tired. Not now. Not now. So they were scared when they seen him, though. But don't worry. Don't worry. They cried out in fear, but you don't have to. Because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. Guys, come on. Take courage. Who is it? It is I. This is literally the great I am. Saying, it is I. You know me. I'm not a ghost. Don't be afraid. You're still in the water. You're still in the boat. You still got the oars in your hand. The wind is still blowing. He says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. I am here. I'm here. So I ask again, how often have we struggled so long that even if we saw the deliverance come, we would recognize it, number one? Or would it terrify us? Would the change be too much for us? Would the change be too much for us? Because depending on the situation you might find yourself in, changing that situation may be a lot of work. I spent my whole life building boats. Just saying, I put a lot of work into that. So, does the change scare me? Does 
being afraid of the change when it's from Jesus is actually fearing the deliverance as well. And I don't, don't think that we want to, to fear the deliverance from our bad situation. So would we recognize him? Would we welcome him? Here's the thing. I believe that my biggest problem, not yours, my biggest problem is I have a very strong tendency to look for Jesus, to look for God, to look for the Holy Spirit with my eyes. I do. I look for him with my eyes. Here's the problem. These are bifocals. Spiritually, blind as a bat. So looking through 51 years of the world <laughs> makes it so hard to see Jesus. It does. Sorry to be the one to spring that bad news on you. But it's very hard to see. Not that you don't need to see him. Not that you don't want to see him. But when we only look for him through our eyes, there's a very strong chance we're going to miss him. Now you're thinking, I'm not sure where that came from. Maria, you don't have this one. Lamentations 4.17. Moreover, our eyes failed, looking in vain for help. From our towers, we watched for a nation that could save us. So we've been doing this for a long time. Mankind's been looking for a nation that could save us for a very long time. Darn shame we're still looking. Or so many are still looking. All right, so just stop it. Your vision's been formed by your life and by the situation and by the circumstances. So stop relying on it to see deliverance. Instead, merely a suggestion, take it or leave it. Instead, stop seeing with your earthly eyes, your worldly eyes. Stop. In fact, when you pray, as a general rule, a lot of people close their eyes. So stop looking with your eyes. The disciples saw him and were terrified, but what did he do? He spoke. So instead of looking for him with your worldly eyes that have been shaped by what you know, why don't you listen with your heart? Okay, Listen with your heart. Hear his voice. find that he's a lot closer than what you think. And so you're thinking to yourself, what does that even mean? Well, you don't have this one either, Maria. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 12. This was God speaking to Elijah. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountains in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Okay. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But he wasn't there. 
but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but it wasn't there. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. How many times does man, do we, do I, look for the, oh man, blow the mountain top apart? No? Earthquake, man, I want the earth to shake underneath me. No? How about a fire? I want a big raging fire, right? Yeah. No. After all of those, there's a gentle whisper. And it is to this day. Not to say that God does not speak in those ways. But I'm saying is, if all you're ever looking for is that, there is so much you're going to miss. Listen for the gentle whisper. Oh, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, my hearing is bad. I can't hear nothing. Right? Well, understand also that that gentle whisper can come from so many places. That gentle whisper can come from any one of you when you surrender yourself over and say, God, use me. Not your will be done, not my will be done, but yours. So that sometimes that whisper can come from a friend, family member, co-worker. Listen for it, though. And be it. Don't just listen for it. Be the whisper. Surrender your will to his so that you can actually give the word of encouragement to somebody. Tell somebody, yes, I've been where you're at. Yes, I've seen your situation. Yes, I got through it. Let me tell you how. Because that's the gentle whisper that is going to actually get you through. Not the wind blowing the mountaintop apart. Not the fire. Not the earthquakes. But the gentle whisper. That's what's going to get you through. So the disciples, they heard the reassurance and they knew that Jesus was there. They didn't recognize him because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. But they heard him and they recognized his voice. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Got me all messed up on that one. 51, please. Then he whisked them away on a cloud to the shore. Or he climbed into the boat with them. They were still in the boat. <laughs> I have to imagine at this point the wind was still blowing. He climbed into the boat with them. And that is when the wind died down. They were completely amazed. I love that. Because it's like you have been walking with Jesus. You have seen the things he's done. And you were still amazed. I'm impressed. But notice, he climbed into the boat with them. He didn't take them out of the boat. The situation that you find yourself in, don't necessarily think you're going to be plucked from it. But 
you should expect if you recognize him. Now he'll get in the boat with you. What you were fighting against will die down, but you're still going to have to row. You're still going to have to row. It's just it's not going to be as hard because you're not going to be fighting the wind. And I, and I love, too, how he didn't just shout encouragement from the sidelines and the shore. He never shouted instructions, put your back into it, guys. Never said that. He walked to where they were and got in with them. <clears throat> he wants to climb in the boat today. He wants to climb into the boat with us today. Let him. It is only for your benefit that he does. It is not. <laughs> the boat will never be too crowded. You always got room for one more. Let him in. Because I guarantee that when he climbs into the boat, you will be completely amazed at the transformation. You'll be amazed. They were amazed. I promise you, you will be too. You will be amazed by the transformation. I'm, it, it, you cannot not be amazed. You can't. Don't limit Jesus by what you know. Don't don't limit Jesus by your power. Instead, learn more to know more. Okay? Learn more so that you know more. Learn more so that you know to recognize him. Learn more so that you know to hear him. Heaven forbid a person does not recognize his voice. Heaven forbid that. And I am so afraid that there are so many people who would never recognize his voice. And I'm also worried and fearful for the ones who think they know it. And therefore, they listen to it. But it may not actually be his. They think they know it. They listen to it. But it's not Jesus. So don't let our understanding of him make us fearful or doubtful of his power. If you don't think he can make it to you because you're in the middle of a lake, he can make it. He can make it. He can do the impossible. 
because there's nothing that is impossible for him. Nothing. His power is actually based on a love that you and I can't understand. Cannot. It can't be comprehended. It's too much. It's too much. So don't try to understand it. Well, I'm trying to put, I, so I got a bigger box. Put him in. I thought that was what I needed. The earth is his footstool. How big of a box are you going to make? You're not going to make a box, so don't try. Don't sit there and dwell on things that are going to do nothing more than cloud your mind, plug your ears, blur your vision, and you'll never see the deliverance as Jesus is walking by you. Sorry. So I, I pray. Oh, man, I pray. I pray that whenever we are in the sea of fear, sea of anxiety, confusion, chaos, unknown, sea of anything, I pray we would not be so focused on the turbulent waters, the blowing wind, crashing waves, that we miss Jesus walking out. And that's, I mean, that's how he works. Right? And understand that he's also, isn't Jesus just when he's feeding us? He was Jesus the day before. And guess what? He's still Jesus the next day whenever you're in a storm. You can go from a big dinner party to a storm in one day, but he's still Jesus. And in the same way that he fed the people, he can deliver us like he did them from the storm. He's also Jesus when he sends you out. He sent them. That's what got them into all the trouble in the water in the first place. And he's going to send you because you need to go someplace. Nobody ever, I have, I could be wrong. I am not a Bible scholar, but let me tell you, I've never seen anything where it says, sit down, rest, relax, put your feet up and don't sweat doing anything. I have not found that yet. So actually you're supposed to be going and he's going to send you. He tells you that, right? The harvest time. But I ain't got many workers. Uh, you better be one of the workers. It's going to be better for you. Also understand that right, our situation does not make him Jesus. He's Jesus without our situation. Right? He was Jesus at the supper table. And he's Jesus in the storm. My situation does not make him. So why would I put him aside when I'm having dinner? When things are going good, when I'm at a big dinner party, things are going good. He's still Jesus. I would think that out of respect, I would treat him as such. I would treat him as such. And don't diminish him. When the only time we pray is whenever we're in the storm fighting the wind, that's diminishing him. That's disrespectful to him. The only time your child ever said to you, I love you, can I have? I love you, could you? You're going to come to a point where you're going to be like, I love you too. No. <laughs> you're going to do that because nobody wants to. And don't treat, you don't want it. Don't treat Jesus that way. 
Don't come to, oh, Jesus, help me, I'm in a storm. And he's like, yep. Last week, you know, you were living pretty good, weren't you? Yeah, and, I, you know, and that's why I didn't do church. Or that's, uh, maybe you're going to roll a little more. Right? If you're living too good, mm, it might get soft. Because when, when the wind starts to blow, you might not have the strength to roll that far. Just saying, it's, it's not, you know. Right? I mean, let's be honest. The story of the wise builder, right? What did Jesus say? He built his house. And then when the storms came, he stood. Matt, help me out here. When you're roofing a house, do you wait for the rainiest, windiest, coldest, snowiest day? No, you'd be a fool. I think in our prayer lives, sometimes we wait for the windiest, coldest, rainiest, stormiest, snowiest day to say, I'm going to build a roof. I'm going to put a roof. Really? How well is that going to work out for you? First, you're going to fall off the roof. Sorry. So the wise builder, be like the wise builder. Build it when it's nice. Put the foundation down. Then when the storms come, you recognize it. Right? Still, still, still going to storm. Still going to storm, but you're going to recognize him. You're not going to be missing him when he walks past you. Because it never actually said he stopped and waited for them to see him. It doesn't say he stopped and waited for them and said, hey, no. He almost walked past them. So I'm saying that there might come a time where Jesus walks past you and you miss your deliverance because, not because he wasn't there, not because he didn't see you, not because he didn't love you, but because you didn't see him. Oh, my friends. These times are trying that we're in right now. Right? Last six months have been crazy. Newsflash. It ain't going to get better. Things will change, right? The, the nation's at odds with each other. I'm not, I'm not taking a side. I'm just saying the, the nation is at odds with each other. People are wrapped up in themselves, okay? Um, oh, man, this hurts. Where's the church? Where's the church? Not sure if you notice this, remember, but like I said, Wind blowing the mountaintop apart? Nope. Earthquakes? Nope. Big fire? Nope. A whisper. Where's the church's whisper? Because if they are whispering, it is, it is low. It's a good whisper. Because I don't think anybody's hearing it. Guess what? We're all the church. We're the church. How are we whispering? How are we promoting? How are we telling people what to look for when they're fighting the wind. And I think, once again, this is just me, I think people are falling apart. Right? They're falling apart from the chaos, the confusion, the fear, the anxiety, the anger, the frustration. They're falling apart. And the problem whenever they fall apart is that they also fall away.
They're looking for God in that wind, earthquake, and fire. Where is God? Why hasn't he, well, would you recognize him? Would you recognize him? What have you done? Stop waiting for him to do some sort of Old Testament display of his power. And instead, ask him, what should I do today? When you get up in the morning and ask him, what should I do today? What do you have for me today? What opportunities do you have laid out for me today? And you know something? When you get enough whispers, you're going to have that raging wind. Okay? You're going to have it. I'm sorry. You get enough sparks, you're going to have a raging fire. And when you get enough people, raise a hallelujah, you're going to have an earthquake. That's how it works. So be that whisper, right? Your coworker. Because I think that otherwise, people are going to soon realize that what they thought was the bottom is going to look like a mountaintop to where they fall. You think you've got it bad. You think you've got it bad. You can talk to a child, and oh my goodness, they have got it bad. Had to go to bed. Had to come in. Didn't get to eat this for dinner. They think they got it bad, but oh, (laughs) be happy you have a bed. Be happy you have that. Because you could actually not have those things. I pray that we'd raise our eyes. We're focusing on our problems, our individual problems. We're focusing on my perspective, from my opinion. Maybe, just maybe, we can do it before Jesus walks past. Because in Jeremiah, you don't have this one, Maria, and I will not give you enough time for this one. Jeremiah 32, 26. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? The answer is no. It's nothing too hard. We need to stop thinking that there is. Thank you.